The Brewing Network is proud to present Beer Radio that turns ordinary homebrew into award-winning beer. The Jameel Show. And now, your hosts, Jameel Zainashef and John Plisse. Good morning, my Bruin brothers and sisters. I just want to say, woohoo! <laughs> Why is that too much coffee this morning? I missed you again. Oh, oh, that's that's sweet. That's, that's really sweet. But keep your distance, please. All right. All right, today we're talking about uh, spice beers, and I know a lot of people have been asking a lot of questions about spice beers for a while. Mm, spice beers. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> before we get into that, I'm going to do a listener email. Uh, we've kind of pared it down to uh, just one out of uh, all the emails we get each week. If yeah, you want to uh, contact hundred, us, yeah, uh, email either jamel at thebrewingnetwork.com or john, J-O-N, at thebrewingnetwork.com. And uh, we will reply to your emails. It may take a little bit of time as we get quite a few, but uh, we will reply and uh, we may use your email on the air. Uh, this week, I want to, uh, Paul uh, sent a email in about the Scottish Ales. Nice. And what he was saying was that uh, from the information he has, and the, he cites several uh, uh, books and a, uh, the Wikipedia, and he says that the shilling uh, number was based on the cost of a barrel of the beer. The six, I mean, like it was, it was 60 shillings for the actual for, barrel itself? For a barrel of beer, right. Empty or full? Full. Full. Because otherwise it's just a barrel. Right. Right. So, uh, and, you know, what I had heard was that it was uh, the tax on the barrel of beer. Right. That's so, what I heard. Right. But uh, he, he lists a couple of sources, and, uh, uh, you know, I'm sure it, it could quite uh, very well be, be the case. So, like a lot of things in brewing, I'm going on, you know, what I've heard. What and, and that's one of the interesting things about brewing is you, a lot of information out there, you're just going on what you heard or what yeah. you read or you haven't actually done the research or the experimentation yourself. So a lot of these things, uh, techniques in brewing that people are doing and they haven't done it side by side to say, well, yeah, it has this effect or it doesn't or it has a different effect. Right. They're just saying, oh, I tried it once and yeah, I love the results. <laughs> yeah. It's like, well, how do you know that it wasn't some other factor in the, in the brewing? Right. So the beer don't you lie. Know, yeah. But, uh, you know, <laughs> like everybody, you know, some of the stuff I'm just repeating from what I heard. Yeah. So, uh, you know, you, you take anything with a grain of salt. Mm-hmm. God knows uh, I do that too. Yeah. And everybody does. Yeah. And cause you can't. It's like uh, I've never been to China, but I'll tell you there's there's a country called China. Right. But I've never actually been there. Really, there is. So I don't really, <laughs> uh, I can't really say that that's that's true or not. Okay, fair enough. All right. So in in doing research for these uh, spice beers, I uh, had to go to GABF and try some. It was all, pure, all the way to GABF, yeah, purely research, and uh, you know uh, it, it was hard work. But You're a good man, Jamil. Exactly. I, I do it for the listeners. And uh, while there, I came across what I feel is perhaps the best, is definitely, absolutely the best pumpkin beer I've ever, ever had in my life. And it's probably 
one of, if not the finest spice beer I've had. Really? Yeah, I think it's fantastic. Well, I'm curious what you like about it. Well, well, let's let's I, open it up. I, I brought a bottle with me. We'll let Justin be the judge of this. Oh yeah, that's that's a true palate that's connoisseur me. right there, buddy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure, sure. Uh, and this is um, the uh, pumpkin patch ale from Wild Goose Brewing in uh, Maryland. And uh, I was at GABF and I was wandering around. I was trying a bunch of different spice beers. So how did you get it out research. here? Uh, the brewer Tim Deutsch. Uh, sent it to me i i tried it there it was so fantastic that i was like wow and i was asking him some questions on how they brew it and you know what they use for the pumpkin and all that and he sent me some information he said well if you want i can send you a six pack you know so you can have some while you're talking about it so here's the the uh, pumpkin beer give that a try and the thing i really like about this Mm. is that it's a great beer to start with right it's a great beer well that's important and and the spices uh, meld beautifully with the wow, beer. The aroma's so smooth, right? And but you, you get some spice in the aroma, you get some spice in the flavor, but it's not so overwhelming that you don't taste a great beer to go with it. Wow, that's really well done. It's almost candy-like. <laughs> wow, definitely gives me the. Gets me into that holiday spirit, you know. Right. Got that, uh, it's it's enough spice that you kind of you, you you notice it, but it's not so overwhelming that you're like, well, that's oh, the issue right there know, that it stops you. Homebrewers overdo it too much. Absolutely. You know. Yeah. You know, it's all about balance. Now, I've had some others where mm-hmm. the spicing was so subtle that you couldn't really get it, or you just barely got it, and that's a little too subtle. This is this is uh, this is uh, you know fairly pronounced, but in balance with the rest of the beer. And again, it's a, it's a great beer to start with. Yeah. And you have to have a great beer if you're making spice beer. And this is one of the things we're going to do today. Mm. I don't want to get into too much into specific recipes and specific, you know, here's, you know, do A, B, C, and D. I want to talk more about the whole concept of doing a spice beer. You know, why you would, why you wouldn't, how you go about it. Right. And, and some of the tricks to, to make a great spice beer. Mm. I'm just going to keep drinking. You keep talking. Right. So uh, Tim was very, very kind and very, very helpful, and uh, it's the Wild Goose Brewery, and they were just uh, uh, acquired by a Flying Dog Ownership Group. Uh, they're in Frederick, Maryland, and uh, Tim is, uh, he was very kind and, and uh, helpful, and he actually listens to the show. Really? That's Walked up there, I was trying the beer, and he goes, yeah, yeah, uh, you know, I listened to the show, and... Uh, no, maybe he's learned something from you too. Yeah, oh, you it's from uh, him. I don't, I, well, I certainly learned something from him, and that's one of the things that I noticed, uh, especially on our trip out to GABF and, and other places, is the the best brewers, the ones that are really cutting edge, the ones that will make the best beer. They're the ones who are open to listening to anybody, and right. you know, not necessarily you know changing their practices based on, but they're not afraid to to talk to a home brewer right. and say, hey, you know. I do this, I do that, and they go, oh, that's interesting. And maybe you know they find some nugget from it yeah. that's useful. Right? They're not offended or afraid of of you know somebody yeah. who's uh, an amateur brewer. They they're like, hey, it's somebody who's interested in beer, and you know what do they think of my beer and all that? 
Hey, spread the love. You know exactly. And, the and those those are the guys that are really they're passionate about beer, mm-hmm. and they're passionate about beer, and they're making the best beer. Mm-hmm. And, and if they're not now, they will be later on. Oh yeah. So uh, that's really really cool, really exciting. All right. So uh, Tim uh, told me that he says uh, actually we use fresh pumpkin pulp. We get this from Macushian's uh, right here in Frederick, Maryland. Hmm. And uh, Macushian's uses that same pumpkin pulp for their pumpkin butter. And that's one of the things I was thinking. Maybe you could use pumpkin butter, which is like a pre-spiced pumpkin type of thing, if you really wanted a shortcut method. I know Trader Joe's carries a, a nice fresh pumpkin butter. You could just dump that in and you know go that way. Throw it into the boil, or uh, in that case, I think you can because hmm. uh, it's already converted. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> we use approximately 300 pounds in a 50 barrel batch. That works to about that works out to about three ounces per gallon. Uh, this counts for. Uh, about 18, 8% of our total grist, we add it straight to our mash. We also mm-hmm. need to use rice hulls to help in the lotter from sticking. So three ounce per gallon, you use about uh, a pound in a five-gallon batch. And you're not going to get a lot of pumpkin flavor. I mean, that's one of the things about pumpkin. Mm-hmm. Now, you can you can take uh, whole pumpkins. You can split them in half or in quarters. Uh, use the smaller ones, the, the baking pumpkins or pie pumpkins. Uh, cut them up, put them on a baking sheet. Uh, you know, uh, soft side down mm-hmm. and bake them at 350 degrees for an hour until they start to caramelize and soften up. And then you can break that up and put it in your mash with some rice hulls mm-hmm. and uh, use that. And you will get a bit more pumpkin flavor or at least some of that roasty caramel flavor from the pumpkin mm-hmm. uh, in that case. Uh, let's see. We also use a mixture of spices weighing in around five pounds. And uh, I calculated out that would be about a quarter ounce for five gallons. Uh some are added five minutes before the end of the boil, and some in the whirlpool. We shoot for around 30 IBUs with bittering and flavor hops only. No aroma additions. I think the spices are accentuated by having a slightly bitter beer instead of going the malty route for sweetness. Now, is all he added just pumpkin? And that, that all this aroma and spice I'm getting straight from the pumpkin? Well, no, pumpkin and some spices. Oh, okay. That's... But it's a it's a moderate spicing, not nearly what you know you think. You can use like a pumpkin pie spice mix, mm-hmm. or you can go you know cinnamon and nutmeg, and you know you can do all those types of uh, uh, spices individually to uh, get that pumpkin pie character. The, the pumpkin pie spice mixes yeah. are really a pretty good choice for a pumpkin beer because that's what you. Realize off a of pumpkin pie is right. what the spice is. And you want like a liquid pumpkin pie impression. Right, right. Okay. And uh, <clears throat> there's a couple of ways to get spices into your beer. You could put it in the boil. You put it in, uh, you know, at knockout. Just mm-hmm. so you turn the flame off and you're cooling. You dump it in there. You can put it in your primary or secondary. Uh, one of the things I like to do with uh, spices is to take... Um, the, the spice load that you're going to do, maybe divide it in half and put half in into the boil. And then and ha- the other half you put in later or make a extract out of it. Hmm. Take some vodka, put it in a jar, put the spices in there, let it sit for a week or two. Really? And then at kegging time or once you got in the keg or in the bottling bucket, you add a little bit and uh, taste it and see how much you need to add. and Slowly adjust it to make it taste it around the, the way you want. And that way you're not over-spicing it in the boil. Yeah. You're not, you know, and and you can make that adjustment. Well, if you over-spice, you can't fix it, right? I mean... Right. The only way to <laughs> fix it is to add more beer. Oh. 
Well, and, uh, you know, I, I don't think we covered really what uh, a spice beer is as far as the guidelines uh, go. I think we're covering it right now. <laughs> well, and then the guidelines. What do the guidelines say about this? What, what, how do you define a uh, spice beer? How do you define a spice beer? I don't know, man. It's spicy. You add herbs. Um, usually the majority of the spices in a beer are spices. I don't know. <laughs> right. It's it's a... Uh, you know, gonna be a, a standard kind of style. You can, uh, uh, and with spices, right? But <laughs> it, it, on the, on the BJCP guidelines, they divide it into like a Christmas spice beer or a holiday spice beer and then just a uh, specific spice beer. So if you, if you take something and, and this is one of the other things as well. If you have, uh, like a cherry, Lemongrass beer or something like that. Yummy. <laughs> you you wouldn't enter it in the spice beer category. Good you, specialty, or yeah, you wouldn't uh, exactly. You wouldn't okay. enter in the fruit beer category either. Okay. If you get a fruit and a spice together, then it belongs in the specialty category. Okay. If you have spices by themselves, then it's a spice beer. If you have fruit by themselves, then it's a fruit beer. If you have both together, it would be a uh, specialty beer. What about starting out with a good base beer? What, I mean, is, is there a type of style that you recommend for like a pumpkin beer? Or? Well, we we talked about this when we went over fruit beers. Mm-hmm. So uh, go back in the fruit beer archive, and I think we had some good information on there. Is you you want to choose the style of beer based on complementary flavors to what you're uh, trying to do with the fruit or the spice or what, what have you. So. In in the case of a pumpkin beer, I really like the choice of kind of a light amber beer. So something with a little bit of uh, crystal malt sweetness, mm-hmm. caramel malt sweetness. Something that uh, kind of looks orangey. Like a pumpkin. Yeah, it looks like a pumpkin, yeah. <laughs> Go figure. And, uh, you know, something not too hoppy. Right. Now, the interesting thing about this beer from uh, Wild Goose Brewing in Maryland, this uh, pumpkin patch ale, is... Tim was saying the balance is slightly towards the bitter. Hmm. They bitter it a little bit more, and and there's a flavor addition. There's a uh, a uh, bittering addition, and it, it's got a nice balance. But yeah, it's a little bit bitter. Mm-hmm. And I think I think what it what it does is actually make it seem more beer like. If it was because of the hop presence, right? I think mm-hmm. if it was too sweet. It would seem less beer-like. Right. And one of the things that he says, uh, maybe as one of the other uh, emails I had with him is, oh, he, uh, he says here, uh, I like our version because it's a beer first and a pumpkin spice beer second. Pretty drinkable, I'd like to think. I think so, too. Right, for it's sure. A, it's a great beer. Mm-hmm. And then the spices kind of marry in there, and they don't stick out too much one way or the other. Uh, they're present, but uh, not overwhelming. And you know that's what makes it a great, great pumpkin beer. Probably, it, it, it's the best pumpkin beer I've ever had. Well, if you over bitter a beer or add too much hops, can it clash with the spices? Right, especially in aroma or flavor. Aroma. You gotta, okay. you gotta use a, a restrained hand because you mm-hmm. don't want to. One of the things about hops is uh, some of the hop character is very similar to some spices. You know, it's a. Uh, it's you know they're they're the two can uh, have a lot of uh, yeah an orange peel or something right and cascade or right yeah, yeah exactly it it could be too much right or they could kind of fight each other the whole flavor aroma profile can become quite muddy mm. 
and you know that's that's not a good thing. So uh, going restrained on those on the hop character is important, mm. and then you know it'll, it'll allow the uh, same thing goes for uh, real fruity esters. So the type of yeast you use, you're going to want to use a fairly clean neutral yeast, mm. and that allows the spices to come through. That way, you don't have to overdo the spices in order to uh, have them show up. When if they're if they have to climb above the uh, some real fruity or spicy uh, yeast character, if they have to overcome you know some fusel calls, if they have to overcome you know excessive hopping, if they have to overcome uh, too much you know character malts, yeah. it you know you end up adding way too much and then it it becomes this uh you know muddy beer right this huge load you have to swallow right, right. And so it's you don't it's, uh, it's it's too much so i guess your question was uh you know how do you how do you choose the uh right uh style of beer right. and so it depends and it, and i think what we talked about in the fruit beer show was it relates a lot to cooking. Mm-hmm. So in fruit beer, we talked about like black forest cake where, where you have a kind of a chocolate and you have a cherry and you have the, those, those types of things. Um, so in spice beers, you know, think about things that are spiced in foods hmm. and the flavors that go along with them. So you're taking like a chef approach when you're adding spices to a beer. Right. And I think, uh, brewing and cooking are very similar. Hmm. I think there's oh, for a, sure. a, a lot, you know, it's, it's, it's just, uh, you know, a liquid food. Right. And you're, you're, you've got a lot of the same constraints and you really, and in food, you want, you want balance as well. Mm-hmm. You know, there are times when you make something stick out. Uh, but even in, you know, something that's real spicy or peppery, you usually have like one pepper that sticks out. You right. don't blast them with everything, right? No. So, you know, same thing goes here. If you're doing uh, like a chili beer, that's a an interesting point. I think that the best chili beers that I've ever tasted are ones that have a good balance as well, a good, a, a great base beer to start mm-hmm. with, and then um, chili flavor and aroma. So what they do is they scrape out the seeds out right. of the chili and use that, and then a very slight peppery mm-hmm. uh, you know note mm-hmm. at the end. So when you're done, when you finish swallowing it, yeah. after a moment or two, you're ready for another taste of the beer. Right. If, you're not burning. Right. You're no burning. Fire. You know, if you're if you're making a chili beer and it's, you know, you know, hellfire and you're like yeah. some hellfire beer, it's it's really not a very good beer, if you ask me. No. I mean, if you like that, and you know, it's like a novelty. Right. It's not a. Mass consumption beer is more of a novelty. And if people enjoy that, you know, that's, that's cool. You know, go for it if that's what you like. But I think more people really enjoy something with a, a mild, uh, but still bit tastes of heat. like beer though. Beer. Yeah, it's a, it's yeah. a beer with yeah. the chilly flavor and a mild bit of heat at, uh, N, N- NHC in Florida. Mm-hmm. Um, was it, uh, Jeff Gladish or somebody had a really nice pepper beer just like that where you got the green chili aroma and green chili flavor and a very slight little, Little slight bit of heat at the very end, mm. and after you, you 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 sat for just a moment, it was gone. And okay. you go, yeah, I like that experience. That was good. I'll, I want that again okay. and again and again. And pretty soon, you could drink a whole pint. Wow, pretty good. And uh, you know, that's probably the the key thing is balance, not going overboard, and 
and you know finding finding that magic uh, blend of spices and and beer style. And hopefully you like to drink it. Yeah. So when we come back from the break, we're gonna talk about uh, fermentation of of spice beers and and some ways to get the spice into there. Is the Jamil Show? All right, we're back. We're talking about spice beers, and we're just enjoying a really good uh, pumpkin 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 patch ale from uh, uh, Wild Goose Brewing in in uh, Maryland. And a couple of questions came in through the chat room: pumpkin baked or boiled? Baked or boiled? Baked. Baked, I agree. Yeah, because otherwise boiled, uh, I don't know. Would you but, boil uh, a lot of aromatics off, possibly? Or? Yeah, if there's any. You know, there's very little in pumpkin. But, uh, and I think the baked uh, helps with that, uh, you know, melanoid formation, the caramelization, things like that. It's, mm-hmm. a, it's a starch, and it needs to be converted in the mash. So you can't just take raw pumpkin, grind it up, and use it in like an extract beer, because you're just adding a bunch of starch to your beer. Mm-hmm. You have to convert it. And uh, so it's got to sit with some grain, uh, you know, around 150 some odd degrees uh, for an hour, and let it let it convert, and then you can go ahead and, and use the resulting liquid. And it was that. a pound of pumpkin per five gallons. Yeah, that's about what uh, the uh, the wild goose guys are are doing. Okay, and they're using uh, they get a, a pumpkin, uh, a frozen, fresh frozen pulp. pumpkin pulp, yeah, and they use that. So, uh, you know, you can be creative and, and do that. Uh, Tim mentioned, and I've, and I've heard also people doing, uh, secondary in a large pumpkin. So they'll buy like a, uh, 80 pound or 100 pound pumpkin. They hollow it out. Awesome. They'll put a, a tap in the bottom and then they'll fill it up with pumpkin beer and either they'll do a secondary or they'll serve it right off of that thing. Wow. So that's cool for a, a Halloween that's party. That's really cool. You know, and, uh, I'm sure a number of people have started doing that. <laughs> What are the most common spices used in uh, a pumpkin beer, I assume? In a pumpkin beer, the pumpkin pie spice mix. Right. And if you have a like Safeway. Right, exactly. Yeah. If you if your if your Grammy has a <laughs> pumpkin pie recipe that you really loved yeah. as a kid, mm-hmm. get get that the spice mixture from her and mm-hmm. give that a try. So it's a lot of cinnamon and nutmeg and uh uh, spices like that that, that, is there that give it that character. Is, does that exist in this beer that we're trying here? A little nutmeg? Yeah, 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 yeah. I think so, yeah. Cinnamon? Mm-hmm. Hmm. Uh, How nice, much do you add for five gallons? I mean, if you're just dealing with a spice powdered from Safeway or something. Well, and that's that's a question. depends on how fresh the spices are. They all change over time, mm-hmm. what condition they're in, whether they're ground. I like to uh, add... I calculate out based on other people's recipes how much spice I think I'm going to need. Mm-hmm. And let's say that's a, you know, a quarter ounce or so for, like a one or a half ounce for, um, you know, five gallon batch. Okay. I might cut that in half, add that, you know, five minutes before the end of the boil or right at, you know, flame off. Right. And then the other half I'll add you know, later on to the secondary. I'll okay. get a, a taste test later on and see what it turned out and see if I feel like I need a lot more or not. Mm. 
And the other thing you can do is you make your own extract. So some okay. vodka, some spices, let it sit, and then you can dose it with that later on to, to adjust to get That's the That's a right. pretty cool trick. I mean, where did you learn that one? I thought vodka. that was like common really? brewer knowledge. Yeah. yeah. I'd never even heard of that. Oh, really? well, I'm just slow, but I mean, <laughs> that's, that's pretty cool, man. But yeah, and it works really well. And, and if you want the ultimate control, mm-hmm. do a small jar of vodka for each of your spices. Oh, there you go. So do each one separately. And then you can, you know, uh, pull yourself off a measured amount of beer. So you pull yourself off a cup of beer. And you add, you know, three drops of this and four drops of that and, you know, with a uh, dropper Hmm. and calculate out, you know, how much that is that gives you the right profile. Mm -hmm. And a drop is a measured amount usually. And you can calculate how many drops per cup, Mm -hmm. uh, how many cups in your batch, multiply out, and uh, you can calculate out in milliliters. Right. And uh, make your adjustment there. And then when you do that, when you when you ramp it up... Add in three quarters of the amount that you calculated. Add that in. Don't add it all. Yeah, don't add it all. Taste it. Make sure. In case you screwed then, up. Exactly. <laughs> okay. And then, and then add the other quarter or, or, you know. And, and, cause once, like John was saying, once you go past a certain point, you're gonna end up with, uh, you know, too spicy beer that you can't, um, correct without adding more beer to it. Right. And then you end up with like, you know, 50 gallons of, you know, pumpkin beer, and it might be a little too much, even though it's really good. <laughs> it might be too much. And another question from the chat was, uh, cocoa powder and coffee, would that be a spice or a specialty? Well, we were discussing this at the break, so, uh-huh. um, well, cocoa, well, the coffee bean is a, is a red bean picked, mm-hmm. right? So, mm-hmm. is that a fruit? Is it, no. But and, then but they, take the seed out of yeah, it, right? Yeah, you're using the in, inner part, right? Right, and that's what we roast, is that green right. seed. Right. But they let that dry though for like a couple of weeks. Right. But they're not using the fruity part, they're no. using the nut part. But is it still a fruit because it was a part, part of a fruit? No, I think it's a spice. I, I think spice. there's, there's an actual official answer and yeah. I'm sure people are like screaming, uh, call up at their speakers saying, yeah. you, you boneheads, yeah. <laughs> you know, coffee is a spice and, right. uh, cocoa is a spice. And that's what I think they are that's technically, okay. uh, cause they're from the seed and they're dried and ground up and all that. Right. And I, so I think they're technically, uh, spices. And so that would be a spice beer. A lot of times the, Competition or organizers are as clueless as we are about this, mm-hmm. and uh, but generally, I, I've never seen anybody really reject something because it wasn't exactly uh, put in the right category in those categories. Right, uh, and the judges usually are a little bit flexible on that. Well, spice beers are. I mean, not it's not common. I don't think most homebrewers don't brew these type of beers. I mean, I'm sure they've tried them, but. I think they're probably brewing other beers too more often. Uh, than you'd these. be surprised. There's really? a lot of these that get entered in competitions. And, uh, compared to like an IPA, you think, I mean, IPAs, I'm sure, are a bigger category than a spice beer. Uh, yes, definitely. Okay. IPAs, pale ale, stouts, yeah. uh, tend to be very popular, popular. beers. Yeah. Hmm. Those, those are brewed the most. Now, the poor judges. Uh-huh. Judging spice beers, their palates must be shot. I mean, how do you go from a pumpkin beer to a cinnamon spice beer afterwards and have an actual honest opinion? Well, I mean, you, you order them, you order the flight based on, you know, what you think is going to be the least impact on the palate. And uh, you go, you go in that order. Okay. So, uh, good friend of mine, uh, 
uh, Harold Gabranson, he, he told me one day, he goes, yeah, he goes, uh, when I enter smoke beer, I, I do a smoked Hefeweizen. A what? And I'm like, why, why a smoked Hefeweizen? He goes, cause it's a, the lightest beer, inevitably, it's the lightest beer in the flight. And so it goes first. There Judges you go. judge it first. And in smoke beers, that's very important because once you get blown up by some big smoke beer somewhere in the pack, you can't taste any smoke after that. It right. makes it very difficult to judge the rest of the smoke beers. <laughs> so you want to be first. Yeah, Harold's, Harold's a very smart and, and an excellent brewer. So, uh, you know, I thought that was, that was, uh, and actually I've, I've tasted that smoke half device and it's just fantastic. Um, yeah, it sounds weird, but uh, Harold can do it. <laughs> And so, you know, what were we on before you distracted me? Oh, yeah. no. We're going to talk about <laughs> ingredients, recipes, right. or boils. So, uh, the, uh, right. So, so there's some of the ways to, to add the spices to your, your beer at the boil and the primary, secondary. Right. You generally don't. Why would you want to enter the primary? I mean, you're going to have I wouldn't. Because okay. most of the aromatics are getting uh, blown off. Right. Uh, by that. You know, the, the CO2, uh, evolution of the CO2 out of the beer is going to okay. drive them off. One of the reasons you might want to let it sit in the secondary for a while or let it sit in the keg with these spices is that the alcohol will help extract some of the uh, flavors and aromatics from it. That's why I like the vodka thing, too, because okay. yeah, it helps extract it out yeah. and then... Uh, Makes it soluble. and Right. Okay. And then it's, you know, you have great control over, over adding it to the beer and dosing it. So if a home brewer poured in raw spice into a secondary, it would definitely dilute and become soluble eventually because of the alcohol? Yeah, you know, it would take some time. Uh, okay. But uh even uh even the water in the in the beer will absorb it. Uh help to dissolve some of the spices. Mm-hmm. If you take spices and put them in a cup of water and let it sit for for a few days mm-hmm. and taste it, it'll taste like the spices. Mm-hmm. It won't be as strong, but uh and uh you know, some of them are more soluble in one thing than another. Mm-hmm. What about gravity playing a role with how much spice you add? I mean if you're making a high gravity beer I mean, you were talking that you only add half at the boil, maybe half during secondary fermentation. How do you adjust during the boil if you have a 1080 versus a 1050 gravity beer? I mean, well, it's going to depend a lot on uh, the character of the beer. So the spicing, while there's some relationship to the gravity of the beer, mm-hmm. it's not as direct as say like hopping, where you have to add more hops to, to balance the sweetness necessarily in a, in a you know in a bigger beer. Okay. In uh, in the spice beers, sweetness uh, can mask some of the the spices, but not as much. Okay. So really, you're more looking at kind of the specialty grains, like if you're using a lot of roast malt, uh, if you're using a lot of uh, crystal malts, things like that. That's going to impact the character of spice and how much spice you need to use. Hmm. And uh, and again, especially fermentation. So when you're f- fermenting, you know, certain um, Belgian yeasts and certain Belgian beers, you can add some spices. And I think more homebrewers add spices to Belgian beers because some of those Belgian beers are really spicy. Mm-hmm. And they want them spicy like the the beers that they're buying. But what they're missing out on is that that spice comes from the yeast. Oh, yeah. It's a yeast character. Oh, yeah. And... Uh, I just did a saison, and boy, that thing <laughs> is, is really, really nice and peppery, and and, uh, and there's, there's no mango. there's no there's no spice in it whatsoever. Right. And uh, if I had added spices to it, it'd be overwhelming. Right. Now there are times when you can add a little bit of spice to something to kind of 
uh, act as a counterpoint to, you know, the, the yeast flavors or to, to help, uh, help with the character of the beer. And maybe that's something you do, but you don't want to do that if it's, it, it, spicing a beer is not a way to mask an error. That's what right. you were saying at the, before we started the and show. And I've tried that and it didn't work. It's yeah, it just takes a bad beer and makes it worse. worse. Oh, yeah. All right. So if you have a bad beer, here's, here's what you do. You take that bad beer. And you pour it out. <laughs> wait, wait right? say that again? You take that bad beer, you pour, pour it, it out. Exactly. Okay. Snail food. Snail food. Right? There's no fix for a bad beer. Right. If it, if it turned out and it's infected or, you know, contaminated and it's, uh, it's got, uh, any licorice root ain't gonna help it, buddy. Exactly. It's, it's just gonna <laughs> make it worse. And then you, you have the cost and the time involved yeah. and better to just, you know, admit that you made a mistake and go on to the next one. You know, figure out, you know, what the problem was and, and try it again. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, that's, that's what you do with a problem beer. Uh, so in fermentation, with the Belgian beers, you know, you get that spiciness there. So you need to be very careful on that. Um, something like a wit beer where there's some coriander, some orange peel, things like that. Those are hard to, well, now you have two spices. Right, right, and well, and, and now how do you balance two spices? Well, it, it's like anything, it's like a pumpkin beer. You can yeah. have you know six or seven. Right, uh, you know it's a balancing act. So uh-huh. you don't want something, uh, you know. Ideally, I think you're able to identify each of the spices that that are in there. Okay, they're in balance like that, and you can pick them out of the beer and go, "Ooh, yeah, I get this and I get that and right. I like that," and it's and it's not overwhelming. If you add too many different spices, I suppose you can come up with something that really kind of works, but it's hard, really hard to do, and you have to be very masterful, and it'll take a lot of practice, and I'm sure it can be done. It's just very difficult to avoid making the spices muddy, where there's just like this overwhelming, uh, you know, character of, you know, spiciness, and if you can't pick it out, then, you know, it seems... uh I don't know. I don't think that's a good spice beer. In that Goo case. beer. Right, right, right. <laughs> what do you think about if, if a home brewer did a five-gallon batch, primaried it for, you know, two weeks, and mm-hmm. then transferred from that into, like, five one-gallon jars? Right. And then didn't experiment that way. That'd be that'd be great, yeah. Did that work? Oh, yeah, and that's a really good way. And you and could I, blend those back, too, if you wanted. Exactly. Yeah, you could look at them. That's a, that's a good point. You could blend them back and, and try different things. Mm-hmm. And uh, you could even try different yeasts. Yeah. Experimentation is a great way to go with, with these things. And, and uh, you really can hit upon some, some magic stuff. One of the problems with uh, spice beer recipes on the Internet and spice beer recipes you get from other people is the spices you get are can be wildly different than the spices somebody else used. Right. Uh, different growing regions of the world produce different spices. They are called the same thing when you get them at the store, but you go to a general grocery store and buy spices, you have no idea where they're coming from. Right. You need to go to a specialty spice shop and know that they're fresh and know what region they came from and all that. And it's very difficult to do with somebody else's recipe what where they got it from and and uh and how they how they put it together and you may end up with a totally different beer. So it's very difficult to to give recipes. Now, one of the recipes uh, posted for this show on the uh, recipe site, Fred's uh, Bonjour site, is uh, the Vanilla Robust Porter. And I posted that for a couple of reasons. One is that 
we did a robust porter show, so you can go back to that and and get some information on making a nice robust porter. And then now we're talking about the spice aspect of it. And and what that does is there's such a high variability in vanilla beans. Some of them will give you no flavor. Some of them will give you tons, and it's all over the board. Well, wouldn't would freshness be an issue? Freshness is I mean, an issue. I mean, by the time they're right. packed and you get them to you. That, and then they're grown from all over the world. And right. they're not even really vanilla beans. There's, like, there's some pod from some other tree. Right. And uh, which, uh, which has a more intense vanilla flavor than vanilla beans, apparently. Okay. I, at least that's what I heard somewhere. <laughs> um, and... Uh, so what I do on that recipe is, it's like, okay, toss in a whole bean at the end of the boil. So one bean. One bean. Okay. And then when you're in the keg or bottling bucket, take some vanilla, the high quality vanilla extract hmm. and, you know, add that until, you know, to kind of adjust things to get it just right. right. And you want to bump it up to the point where you get the vanilla, but it's not overwhelming. Well, what about if you add one bean to the fermenter, secondary? You could do that. Yeah. Uh, They're pretty people, strong, though. People call it dry, dry beaning. Dry yeah. beaning. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. And, and, and that's fine, too. Again, yeah, I'm going to dry my bean or dry bean today. <laughs> you know, it's, you make it sound so dirty. Yeah. Um, the, uh, issue with that is it's much harder to control the exact level. Because, again, the beans will be variable. How much bean do you put in? And it takes time for the impact to be, to be, uh, noticed. You know, mm-hmm. You might want to taste it every day or two and see, you know, when it reaches the right point and then get it off those beans. Yeah, get the hell off of that thing. Right. Yeah. But, uh, you know, vanilla, high-quality vanilla extract, uh, boy, you know, I, you'd be hard-pressed to say, well, that's extract or that's vanilla bean. Right. So I had the one vanilla bean in the in the boil just to be... That flame out? Yeah, just okay. to... Just to be beanie? Yeah, just to, you know, be more, I don't know, whatever. You rebel. You know, and then... Uh, and, uh, well, and I think people think of that as traditional. Right. And then, you know, you add the, add the, uh, vanilla extract later on, and that, that really makes, makes for, uh, better control over the process and, uh, a nice, a nice way to get the, the flavor in there. Alright, when we come back, we are going to, uh, finish up our show on Spice Beat. Now, back to the Jameel Show. All right, we're back. We're talking about spice beer. Spicy. <laughs> Spicy beer. Spice this. Yeah. Ah, yes. John, John, John. Uh, <laughs> people, people ask, uh, in the, in the chat, uh, what yeast can, uh, should be paired with what spices? And, uh, I was, I was talking about the, the yeast and then we got sidetracked somehow, but again, you, you don't want to pick a, a yeast that's going to be so fruity that it's going to, you know, fight with the spices. So, uh, Hefeweizen yeast. Right. You know, that, that's a difficult one to, to spice. Abiel. Difficult one to spice. Yeah. Mm, what else? Caison. Right, right. Yeah. Uh, you can do those. You can do some of those, but uh, generally, until until you're you're sure what you're you're gonna get, a, what you're trying to do, I would start with something clean like a California ale yeast, and it's a it's a nice palette where you've got the the malt flavors, you got the hot flavors. It's a beer, 
but it doesn't get in the way of whatever spices you can do. And then you can do a restrained spicing that doesn't isn't overwhelming, but you know, y- so you don't have to do such a, a high amount. You can use the English ale yeast, um, but that's going to give you some fruitiness. Yeah. But if you do it cooler, uh, it could be could be a nice thing too. Mm-hmm. Um, so you you just want to be kind of restrained. You don't want to go crazy with like a heifer yeast at ninety degrees and all that. Yeah. You know, you're just not going to make a good beer to start with. Well, at that point, no spice required, right? Right. Uh, yeah. Just, just some Advil for your headache that you're going to have after <laughs> drinking that. And um, so, be conservative brewing a spice beer for your first time. Right. Yeah. Right. Definitely start out and and remember, you're trying to uh, showcase the the spice against a, a good beer. So. Right. Uh, you know, going with a, a California yeast or something like that that's that's clean allows the, the spices to stand out. Hmm. And someone else wrote that uh, they had brewed a pumpkin beer and it had a distinct acid twang to it, which overshadowed all the other flavors. And I'm wondering what could be the cause of that. What would you say? Uh, contamination. I mean, any type right. of acidity or a twang or a sour edge. Right. I don't. I doubt that's adjunct. You know, caused or mm-hmm. that's just. It's poor cleanliness. Right. It's generally, you know, some sort of uh, bacteria, bacillus type of thing. So maybe like... Unless you're going for that. I mean, acetobacter or something like that. Right. Anytime a a beer gets sour, that's generally the cause. That's Uh, from lacto, right? Lacto or acetobacter. So um, uh, the lactic is, uh, you know, a certain sourness and Mm -hmm. the acetic acid is is, uh, vinegar. Right. So if you notice the vinegar kind of aroma to it, then it's acetobacter. Mm. Uh, And the uh, wild yeast generally don't sour the beer. Uh, There might be some that do, but uh, they're different flavors. Can they add like a metallic-y flavor? I've had uh, just kind of like a wateriness to a beer. Yeah, I, I I wouldn't be surprised. There's so many different yeasts out there. Yeah, that's true. And you know who knows what's floating around yeah. in your backyard or whatever. You know, pretty much every green surface in your yard is covered in yeast, and uh, your you know that stuff gets blown around in the air, and and there's all sorts of different ones. Uh, interesting. Well, I don't want to get into all these sides, but uh, there was a brewery out in uh, uh, Colorado. Mm-hmm. Where they found a couple of yeasts and they plated them out and they've been working with them and trying to so they're they're doing this all indigenous Colorado beer where it's all like Colorado honey, Colorado grapes or Colorado malt and hops and all this yeah and Colorado yeast whoa so I thought that was really cool yeah, that's cool uh, I right. tried it I, I didn't think it was that great but um, I thought it was a really fantastic idea mm-hmm. uh, I thought that was really neat. And, you know, there's yeast everywhere. Oh, yeah. So there's yeast all over your body. There's yeast, you know, bacteria. So, so maybe need... somebody will make like an armpit uh, beer. There you right. go. Yeah. yeah. Try hop with the armpit. The, the armpit strain. There you go. That, that could that could be a really fine <laughs> So beer if you're really well. desperate and you had no yeast, you could just, I don't know, spit in it or shave your arm hair into it and then start fermenting eventually, right? Oh, yeah. Just wave your hands around in it and it the bacteria and stuff off your hands. Brush it off yeah. in front there. And, right. And there we go. To drop your... Uh, your hairbrush or your toothbrush in there. And then ship it to Jamil's house. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'll give it to John. Okay. Since so it's your idea. Um, as far as mashing goes or mash temps, things like that, I, again, I think you, you want to make a, a good beer. The the pumpkin ale that we had at the beginning of the show, 
that's got a nice body to it. There's a, there's some, you know, long chain sugars in there that are adding some body. Not necessarily a lot of sweetness, but adding some body that, uh, help kind of fill out the beer. And I think anytime you go with, uh, a spice beer, generally, uh, most of the spice beers that I've seen done are done around the holidays mm-hmm. for some reason. And, uh, that, implies that you want something that's a little fuller, a little richer maybe in character. And yeah, because it's a holiday. Yeah, it's cold out. Right. So so it's okay to go high alcohol. So you know, as long as they don't get uh fusely and burny, you Mm -hmm. know, you can get a warming beer. Uh you know, that's a nice a nice touch as well. Uh certain styles I guess that, that could go well would be um in the higher alcohol ones. I don't know that I would spice a barley wine, but you Could. might spice something like a uh, Russian Imperial Stout. Mm. Uh, you know, something like that uh, might hold up well to it. What would be good with a Russian Imperial Stout? I don't know. Mm. I'm thinking <laughs> now. Experiment. Yeah. But, uh, you know, you can make a good spice beer. It just depends on making a good beer. Right. And marrying the right kind of spices to it in the right right amounts and the right levels and that makes a big difference with this beer that we tried would you say that the uh, the pumpkin that was added to the mash definitely adds body to a beer or it, some impression well it can the the thing is the, the pumpkin that you're starting with it's it's starch okay so it'd be like adding potatoes to a beer maybe or some right potatoes or rice or any of that it's all just a starch okay right and then uh, you know, there, there are some other flavor compounds in the pumpkin. And there's some other flavor compounds in a, in a potato. There's some other flavor compounds in a rice. Um, and you, you get different, different levels of flavor. It's like wild rice mm-hmm. tastes different than, well, that's a nut, I guess. Um, rather than actual rice. Uh, so there's, there's other flavor compounds in there which will have some residual effect, but there's not a lot. Okay. So it's mainly just a starch. Okay. And <clears throat> what you need to do is convert that starch in the mash. And um, what's going to come out of it is pretty much maltose. So because you're – and this is the interesting thing a lot of people don't realize. Like you can take rice, and when they make rice syrup, a lot of times they'll use um, uh, the enzymes from malt hmm. to convert the rice to the syrup. Right. When you do that, you end up with maltose. Okay. And it – doesn't taste like it doesn't taste malty or anything like that. Maltose doesn't necessarily taste malty. It's all the addition additional things in there that make something malty, and rice doesn't have those. Hmm. So you have maltose, but it just tastes like rice syrup. Interesting. And you know the same sort of thing happens with the pumpkin in the mash. It'll convert to uh, maltose, and you know whatever mash temperature you're using, you'll either end up with. Uh, you know, some of the longer chain, uh, sugars or the simpler sugars. Okay. And it'll be more or less fermentable based on that. So, but the maltose is unfermentable, right? Uh, no, maltose is fully fermentable. Fully fermentable. Yeah. Okay. So you'll end up, um, getting, uh, uh, you know, uh, whatever your, your mash temperature is going to give you whatever your, um, uh, Gravity, your your <laughs> your body, your body, your right. final beer. Okay. So not necessarily sweetness, but it'll give you a body. So you get a high mash temperature, uh, you know, one fifty eight, something like that. You're gonna end up with a lot more uh, longer chains, yeah, and a lot more mouthfeel to the beer. Uh, I get you. Uh, you go drier, you're gonna end up less. One of the things that a lot of beers um, 
tend to add, or a lot of the recipes that you'll find will add to a spice beer, especially a pug beer, things like brown sugar, um, like Lagunitas, uh, brown sugar, bottom. Some, sometimes, yeah, right. Sometimes, That's good. yeah, that is. Sometimes they'll add, um, uh, you know, molasses, things like that. Mm-hmm. That can be good. The, the thing about the brown sugar that you're going to find in the store, if you go and buy brown sugar, it's white sugar with some caramel added to it. And, uh, so if you really want, you know, the, the effect of brown sugar, you want caramel. And so you can just add some caramel to the to the pot and you know avoid adding this huge thing of essentially white sugar. Just add it directly to your boil. Right. You could just toss some caramels in there or <laughs> some more crystal malt or whatever. So I, I'm not sugar. sure that's a really a really great thing. There are some unrefined sugars that will have some impact, but you have to add quite a bit and, and they have more impact in a in a uh, less uh, you know when you have less character malts mm-hmm. in there. Uh, so some of those unrefined uh, parts um could could have some some additional impact, but the general brown sugar that you buy, mm-hmm. it's really white sugar with caramel added to it. Mm-hmm. Um, things like uh, molasses, again, they have you know different flavors or maple syrups. Uh, a lot of them, uh, maple syrups that you're going to buy out there, mm-hmm. are going to be uh, uh, corn syrup with some maple flavoring added, mm-hmm. and they, they're really not very mapley. You can get like a true. Vermont maple syrup and and uh, things like that and and that can have some some impact pretty pricey to to add enough to to have a big maple flavor but uh that can be a, an interesting I've had some beers with a lot of maple in them and I think those were overdone but you know if you if you got the right balance in there maple could be a very interesting character in some of these beers what about molasses I mean when did you add that or why would you add that what style would you add that to uh, you know, you could, you could add it to a number of different things. Depends on how much you add. And, you know. Why would you add it though? Uh, it's a different character. You know, it, there is some, some character to molasses. Is it that, a, uh. You can smell it sometimes in a beer. You know, like a molasses aroma? Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. Okay. So, there's a variety of things you can, you can add to a beer and, and, to, you know, if you're doing a spice beer. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I guess if you added maple or something like that, that might be considered, is that a spice or a, an herb or a fruit? Uh, hard to say. I, I would imagine uh, that, that really, that's, that's an interesting question too. I want to try a, a potato beer now. I've, I've had potato beers. Have you had a potato I, beer? I had a potato lager for I think it was State Fair. Oh my god! Not this last year, the year before. It was actually pretty good. It won I think the specialty beer category something like that. A potato lager. Potato lager. It was very clean, and it was essentially just like a uh, American light lager where the potato ferments out, you know, clean. You don't right. get any potato character in okay. there. Okay. But you could have just used rice or whatever, but. You know, it's a really well-made beer, and uh, we assume they use potatoes in it. To, and we know that it shouldn't. The impact it should have is just, you know, a real clean fermentable. What do you think about using those um, fake, those flaked potatoes that you buy in boxes? Yeah, you, know, uh, you add water. Can uh-huh. you add that to your mash? Oh yeah, sure. Really? Oh yeah. <laughs> cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all hydrolyzed and ready to to go, and huh. converts really fast. And yeah, you know, should be. And you can use like oats. You can use Quaker flaked oats, instant oats. All right. Because they're already gone through the roller and been gelatinized, and, and they're cool. you know, ready to add to the mash. A couple thing. last questions from the chat room, guys. Yeah. yeah. Uh, how long should you age a spiced beer? 
Well, that depends on the beer. Depends so on how much spice you have, probably. How much spice? You, what you need to do is taste it mm-hmm. and and see. And uh, yeah, that's that's a really the spice hard question. Fall out though. I mean, eventually fall out. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The spices. Uh, you know, the different compounds in the beer are going to drop out over time. Right. And, uh, spices, especially if you're using really dusty spice, mm-hmm. uh, they'll stay in suspension and then, uh, you'll taste them a lot and then you give them six months and they'll all hit the bottom and you won't taste them at all. Whoa. So, uh, you know, it can, it's a balancing act. All right. And the last question that came through is, are these spice beers generally ales or lagers? Or does that matter? Generally ales. That's a, actually an interesting question. And if you think about it, they're generally ales. And I don't know why that is. Yeah. You know, lagers have always been about having a real clean beer, real clean uh, uh, taste and aroma and all that. And so I think, you know, adding the, the that to it. I had a, uh, a fruit lager once, which is a lemon, uh, lemon lager from some place out in Oregon. It was really good. I was mm. surprised. It was the only thing on the airplane. You know, that wasn't like Bud Miller Coors, and yeah. so I drank it. And nice. uh, I think it was Saxer or something like that. Uh, that sound right? Hmm. And it was actually quite good. I was, like, shocked. I was like, huh. Probably do a Marzen. Some cinnamon? Maybe yeah, some, maybe. maybe, maybe, maybe. All right. So, uh, again, let's recap. It's all about having a good beer and uh, moderate spicing and being in control of that spicing. Add a little bit uh, to your, your boil kettle, then maybe make an extract and, and adjust with that. Or make a regular beer, split it into two, and and do the uh, alcohol extract of mm-hmm. the spices and, and add that back. But be conservative, for sure. Yeah. All right. Coming up next is a, uh, a rebroadcast of the Sunday show from last night. It's Decoction Mashing with John Palmer and uh, Dr. Scott. And I hear that's a real good one, and you're going to enjoy that. And then uh, tomorrow around this time is the Graham Sanders show from Australia. Who knows what the hell Graham's going to talk about, but I'm sure it'll be entertaining and interesting, as always. And our next show coming up is uh, Ciders. Ciders, right. Yeah, we're going to talk about Ciders. There we go. So in that meantime, Bruce Strong. Brew on. All right. The Jameel Show has been a production of The Brewing Network. Please send questions for Jameel to jameel at thebrewingnetwork.com. The Jameel Show airs live every other Monday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern, right here on The Brewing Network.